The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Diamondback Covers, the absolute best cover you could ever spend your money on. If you need an insurance policy for all the expensive gear on the back of your truck, then you need a Diamondback cover. Make the bed of your truck a vault with Diamondback. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want him? Yeah. Welcome back to Redneck Tech Podcast, episode 113. I'm back in the studio today. I'm not terrorizing Clay and Ryer via the internet this time. Um, I'm back in the back in the office for a little bit and uh, trying to, you know, tie up loose ends before the end of the year. Turns out we got a couple clients, John Dudley, that have a lot of last-minute things that pop up that they need done, <laughs> and uh, I handled one of those late, late on Saturday night, and Ryer is still working on some from the other, I don't know, when were you there, last week? Yeah. And uh, Dudley, I told him on text, I meant to show you this text too, Clay, or uh, Ryer, because you would love this, is I literally sent him a text message. I'll just read it verbatim. He texted me the other night, and this is Dudley. God, God I love him to death, but uh, he sends me this he sends me this thing where he needs this video done. And I'm like, when? And he's like, I don't know. Can you do it tonight? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, no. And I said, uh, I said, when do you need it by? He said, needs it by, needs to be under two minutes. He needs it by Monday morning. I said, you better know how much I love you. Your lead time suck. <laughs> I'll head to the <laughs> office in an hour. Or so when I get my kids down, came here at like 830 at night and edited it to like 1030. It wasn't a hard edit. But it was one of those things I had to come here, download footage, put it together, get an mm-hmm. approval. I mean, it wasn't a big deal, but like, he just better know. We freaking love him in order to do stuff like that. Because if we didn't love you, I told you to. Mm-hmm. I told you where to get to stepping. But um, I mean that in Bart, Bart release video is the same deal. I flew in, got there at ten thirty. We went to um, his office set up, um, went to the shop and shot around and got all that stuff, went to his indoor range and shot around. And then we went back to the office and did all the talking stuff. And then that took until, oh, it must've been 1030 at night took until, and then, um, I stayed up until like one thirty, putting a rough together, and then I got two hours of sleep because I needed footage to conform, and then I got up at 5.30 and then edited for the rest of the day just, on Embark video just stuff. A, just a easy couple of days, right? Yeah. Yeah. Trying to, I try and explain to my wife that, you know, it's not all like sunshine and rainbows when we're on trips, you know. She, yeah. We come back with the fun time, you know, the good times. Like, hey, you know, we killed a big deer, a big elk, or this, that, and the other. But all the things leading up to that, they weren't, you know, the easiest things in the world. But that's really hard for her to grasp sometimes. And my mother, turns out. Um, but that's kind of a perfect segue into the first thing I wanted to talk about. This podcast, guys, is going to be a little hodgepodgey, just because um, we knew we needed to do one today. 
but I didn't have a great, I have a subject I want to talk about on another podcast, but I want to have time to really sit down and think, think it through first. But, um, you shot virtually that entire three days with Dudley on the R5. That was the first time you got to be hands-on with it. Mm -hmm. What was your thoughts? Good, bad, ugly. I like it. Um, I've been very outspoken about not enjoying shooting on. I I say DSLRs. You guys can come for me. This is a mirrorless camera. Mm -hmm. But up until now, we well, you had the A7R2. Um. Anyways, the smaller cameras, whether it's a mirrorless, yeah, you're talking about or a DSLR, yeah. form factor more than like what the camera right. is. I just didn't want people to think that I was yeah. calling a mirrorless a DSLR and a DSLR a mirrorless. Yeah. But um, up until now, I've hated shooting on those type of cameras uh, for, for a couple of reasons. Yeah, for video. Because yeah, I mean, photos is all good. I love shooting photos on them, obviously. Um, but for video, I've never enjoyed them because kind of getting around. And changing settings on the fly isn't as intuitive. Um, the menu the systems are kind of a pain. Um, you don't get focus peaking, which for me, with my vision, like I have to have focus peaking to pull focus on the fly. Um, especially if like the camera doesn't have a punch in button, which the R5 doesn't. But um, it does. Yeah, it does. Just like a punch in and out, like like yeah, on the F7. It's got a magnify button. Yeah, but while you're filming? I don't think you can do it while you're filming. Like, you can't punch in I while you're filming. I don't know the answer to that one. No, I don't know. I think I tried it and I couldn't do it. Oh, but okay. I could be wrong. Somebody um, asked me a question about it the other day that I didn't know the answer to. Can't remember what it was. Anyway, go ahead. So, without, like, being able to punch in and without focus peaking, getting crisp focus on a DSLR has always been a challenge for me. Um, I... Don't usually like holding the camera uh, because they're so small. It's really hard to hold steady and zoom and pull focus and all that stuff. Um, and I still have some of the same kind of complaints with the R5. It is small. If you've got to hold it for 45 minutes straight, it's not fun. It's not a good time. Um, I had to do that twice, two times. For Dudley. John Dudley. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if my biceps are looking extra ripped, you can thank him for that. <laughs> um, so holding it for 45 minutes straight isn't fun. Um, I still, like, some of the handheld moves that are a little bit smoother with a big 10-pound camera are not that smooth yeah. with the R5. Did you turn on the... Um... In-body image stabilization? Yeah. Yep. You did? Yeah, so that's... Someone just Even, asked a question about that on the live stream, by the way. Okay. The in-body well, image yep. stabilization? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so even though I still have some of the same gripes, there was a significant improvement over filming with a 5D Mark IV or a 6D uh, to filming with the R5. And that having stabilization on the lens and having in-body stabilization made shooting handheld a lot easier. I mean, for the 45 minutes that I held it, um, you know, I was constantly walking up, back and forth, moving the camera, pulling focus, and all of those things. And it, it wasn't jittery. And it, the in-body stabilization really seemed to smooth all of those things out. Uh, I mean, you can still tell it's handheld, but it's not that really 
annoying DSLR kind of like, lens jitter it, that you usually get. But was get. it like gimbal-esque? No, I wouldn't say it's gimbal-esque. I mean, you'd have to have a gimbal for it to be like super, super smooth. Even at like 16? it it's pretty It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. And I was on the 24 to 105. Too, so you could you could you could essentially do a pretty cool like walk and follow or some sort of like handheld selfie type vlog, and yeah. It'd still be really, you know, like not look like you're in an earthquake the whole time. Yeah, and I think it, you know, just depending on the lens and how much movement and how you're holding the camera, all of those things together plus that stabilization is going to give you a lot of smoothness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we walked back and forth to and from the target and I'll have to look at it on the actual video but I remember while we were walking I didn't feel like the camera was looking like I was doing that the whole time yeah um which usually with a DSLR I mean if you try to walk and follow somebody with a DSLR it's going to look what about the pictures what were your thoughts on the pics I like the pictures um it's a huge I, file it is a really big file I tried to crush one down to Dudley likes them to be two or three megabytes and it wouldn't do it it wouldn't crush it to two or three so i've just been having to send five megabyte files um i don't deal with it but i yeah i like the pictures there's a lot of room to crop like there's a lot of room to crop they're very sharp um i found that and i don't know if this is just where we were shooting because i've only shot that one location so until i shoot it somewhere else i won't know for certain but it seemed like there was a little bit of kind of a yellow in the skin tones from the R5, which surprised me because generally Canon's was run it a, a little white, bit Was redder. it a white balance thing or was it just a no, yellow? it was just seemed kind of yellow with the skin tones. And that's in pictures or video or both? Uh, both. Both? It seemed like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's just a, it could have been where we were shooting. Could have been how Dudley's skin was that day. Yeah. I don't know. But until I shoot somewhere else, I I would know for certain. Yeah. But I did notice that um, it's super easy to run a high ISO on that R5 and not even know it. So you got to watch out for that. I did that a couple times. Well, I was watching some of Philip Bloom's stuff, and he was running 6,400 6, ISO all the time on that thing. I'm like, dang, that's a really high ISO. He runs it, a lot of stuff through a noise reduction thing, though. Yeah, I know, but still, I just that all that that to me that just means you create more work for yourself. Running it that high? Well, yeah. If you have to noise reduce everything, yeah. Um, I'm trying not. I'm trying not to create more work for myself when I'm videoing. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was pretty. I think, I think it was pretty clean up to the higher ISOs. Obviously, how high did you, you push it? I don't, didn't do anything too crazy. I no. probably got up to... 2,500, 2,000? Somewhere in there. Yeah. I mean, it was all in a really well-lit area, so I didn't have to really push it too far. Um, what was I just thinking about? Oh, the I really, really liked being able to do 120 on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked being able to do 4K on it. I don't it. like how it doesn't do 120 and 1080, though. Only, yeah, that's what I was just it. about to say, is I was in there, and I was looking for 120, 1080, because so this is what happened. What happened was, so we, we went to film the Embark uh, reveal full video. reveal promo video. Yeah. And because at that time, I, I didn't know that it needed to be done by 9 a.m., the next day, 
at the time. At the time, I did not know it needed to be done by 9 a.m. the next day. I knew we had to get it done, but I didn't know that it needed, like, that it had been promised for 9 a.m. So I'm thinking, okay, well, we're going to set the main camera up. It's going to be wide. I'm going to shoot it in 4K so then I can punch in punch if in. I need to. And then I've got the secondary camera angle with the 70 to 200 on there for super tights. Um, and then I went through and did all of the kind of the close-up B-roll stuff on the R5 um, 4K 120 um, just to kind of smooth some. Well, no, they're just 4K. Uh, a couple 120 clips with movement. And then when I got to the computer and I started downloading them and I started trying to work with them on uh, the iMac that Dud had, which, I mean, is just a pretty standard iMac. It's i5 not, processor, yeah. yeah. Not very high RAM. It's just a... Just virtually a big MacBook Pro is all it was. Right. And uh the four K wouldn't wouldn't play at all. Zero percent. Did you have uh, to did you have to put so, it in a media encoder? So what I had to do then is I had to create proxies for everything. <laughs> Love which, a proxy. Which See, you, which you, is you what would, you create proxies, I would have put it in media encoder and spit out a ProRes four two two nineteen twenty by ten eighty. Well that's what it does, but then you don't have to degrade the file. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. I would just So then you still get the crop room. So then yeah. you still have the crop room. Which this is to say if I had known that I needed that this by 9 a.m. <laughs> the next day I probably would have filmed everything in 1080 so that I didn't have to take the time yeah at midnight to wait for a computer to make proxies for me. Um but yeah, I mean at 4K 120 those files are they it they're still subject to the same type of crushing that a DSLR file usually yeah. has. Um, so I didn't, I didn't like that. And then the next day when I went to go film things in 120, I was like, well, I don't need the 4K here. There's no reason to have the 4K here. Yeah. I don't want it, but I do want, I do want the 120. But you don't but have you, an option. But you can't do... Just 1080, 120. Yeah. Which is, I don't... I don't... <laughs> doesn't make any sense. No. Like, how you... It's not like I'm asking it to do more. I'm asking yeah. it to do less. Yeah. And it won't do it. Canon came out with a camera. They discontinued it two or three years ago, but it wouldn't do 1080, 24. It would only do 1080, 30. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. Which it, doesn't make any no. sense. No. Like, that's it, all a software thing. Has nothing one to do button. with anything. It's one button. Two numbers and a button is all someone has to do. Well, it's, and they it's do not it. even that. It's like a software thing. It's like ones and zeros in different places, I think. I mean, it's, I mean. Like, just is, take the menu option from the other cameras that do it. Yeah. And the same program. Well, this is Put my stupid mind, you know, programming and building a camera. And I have, like, no zero about that. But you would think it would be pretty easy to, if you can shoot 4K 120, why not shoot 1080 120? But what do I know? Um, so overall though, like overall, I enjoyed I, it. Um, I have thought about never giving it back to Caleb <laughs> because I, it's like, I, I think I'm with you as far as what I want to run. That as my primary camera on most things. Probably not. Well, that's uh, what I want to talk about is I had a conversation with Aaron Morgan, which me and you have talked about about how, and Clay can probably jump in on this too because you've ran DSLR a good bit, 
But Aaron is a mirrorless only guy. He runs the A7S and the A7R2 nope, or three. R3 and an R4. R3 and an R4? There's an R4 now? Mm-hmm. Anyway, he runs mirrorless only for everything. And he rigs them out with cages and monitors and shoulder rigs, shoulder rigs and all this. He shoots everything he shoots is beautiful. I would put his stuff up against just about anybody else's. But you breaking my table, dude. But at the same time, he's never shot on a big camera like an FS7 or an FS5, or he's never really had one to mess with. And he was talking to me about the FX6, which is the next thing I wanted to talk about. But um, he's just going to buy the new A7S three, three, and not buy the FS6. And I'm like, FX, FX, whatever. And I was like, why? He's like, I just like the mirrorless form factor. And I was like, yeah, but you have to put a shoulder rig, a monitor, you know, you have to build out all this crap, spend all this extra money, and the form factor still sucks. Mm-hmm. And you've got to fumble with cords and screws and, and cables and batteries. and You're building it out to the size of that camera and, anyways. And the, you have to do everything through a menu. Everything's through a menu. You don't have hotkeys for high speed. You don't have... The, the dedicated rings for everything. I was like, why would you want to do that? And and it and it all came down to once I talked to him, he's just never had a big camera. And and if you're watching this and you're you're thinking about, okay, a DSLR is an awesome option if you're on a budget for sure, because they're going to be cheaper than big cameras. No doubt. But in terms of if you want to pick up a camera and run it a lot and run it for multiple things. Uh, what we call big cameras or like full frame cameras, cinema cameras, cinema cameras. I'll take my FS seven over running a DSLR any day of the week, because I'm going to be able to shoot things 10 times faster. I don't say 10 times for sure. Three times faster on my FS seven, because I have dedicated buttons. I have dedicated rings. The menu almost goes out of the equation. Like, you don't really go into the menu very often unless you're changing codecs. Mm-hmm. On DSLRs, you have to go into that all the time. And it slows you down. It, it Everything becomes more complicated. For gimbals, for pictures, things like that, DSLR mirrorless all day long. It makes the most sense. But for what we do every day, it doesn't make... it. I just don't... I would be very upset if I had to carry just that and had to rig it out every time I wanted to shoot something. It would just, every time I would have to break it down and set it back up, break it down, set it back. That would drive me insane right there. For filming, when I filmed Dudley in Utah the first time, I wish I would have brought my Sony because the amount of pictures he wants and how how raw he wants his video, Mm -hmm. following him around, I'd rather have that mirrorless on a monopod over the FS5. When I'm filming Dudley, I'm generally running a DSLR and that's why. Because his is different than everybody else's. But for 80% of everything else that we do, a big camera is the way to go. And then the pictures are kind of a bonus. Um, the ergonomics of a big camera, like I said, the rings, the buttons, the menus, everything's better. The hand holding's better. Hand holding's better. Well, I just think about, like, hand holding. And, I mean, I'm a... And, you, you and guys you guys know my Dustin shooting Apple style. Dustin Apple just said the ND filters, which is a huge... Yeah, yeah huge, built in, yep. Um, like, I rarely hold the camera like this like i don't the camera as i'm unless i'm filming somebody talking or like chasing him 
I mean, I've got the camera all over the place. I like to hang out of trucks. I like to put it up here. Yeah. I like to put it down here. And with a DSLR, like, you can only hold the DSLR like this. Yeah. You don't have handles unless you put them on there. Well, and until, You don't have record well, buttons in different places. And you until don't have, the R5, and until the R5, like the 5D Mark II, Mark IV, Mark III, 6D, 7D, everything else, it had a fixed monitor. You right. Could, you couldn't yeah. turn the monitor. Mm-hmm. Like which the limits R5, a lot of your which options. Which limits a lot of your options. I'm, I can't tell you how many times I wanted to shoot B-roll on those, but the monitor was in a position that I couldn't see anything. Or, or make, second angles. Yeah, yeah, or second angles make me so mad. But R5, they fixed that, thank the mm-hmm. Lord. But, you know, that was even an option. And the and the A seven R the A sevens they only like to pivot up they don't like yeah. turn and all face of, the out all outside. of them all of them just they f- they tilt up and down yeah. they don't flip but yeah the new A seven three does the full three D spin oh it does do yep. the free mm-hmm. okay well then then okay well they're finally that, fixing that, that that's the first one yep but they like that's a huge thing like like there's been times that we wanted to do like vlog style videos you can't do that on a the DSLRs up until we got the R5 because you can't see what you're looking well, at. Well, the 60. Mm-hmm. Oh, the 60. 60 or 60 like the, does it. I think the 70, 80, and 90D. I have a 70. Which are technically prosumer type cameras, not they're Yeah, because they're a crop sensor. Yeah, they're not full frame. Yeah. So there's, there's so, to me, the disadvantages of running a DSLR or mirrorless camera all the time for us far outweigh the advantages of paying the extra money or the disadvantages of paying the extra money and getting the big camera, which leads me to the next thing, which is the next camera we're going to buy is the FS six, um, FX, not FS, FX six, which is the, it's technically the baby brother to the FX nine, which is a freaking monstrosity, huge camera, which is, I guess the, the step up from what is now the FS seven, which has been our workhorse for been my workhorse for, uh, three seasons here and probably one or two seasons when I was at sub seven. So almost five years, if not more than that. I think that's what mine's going on. So it's camera's been really good to us. And, um, I, I mean, for what we do and there, I mean, have we broken some? Yes. Have we broken pieces and parts and had to send some in? Yeah. But for what those cameras have gone through, they've been pretty freaking tough. Mm-hmm. Um, they are heavy, they're bulky, but man, in terms of a documentary style film, filmmaking, outdoor production, it's about as good as you can get, but they're at the end of their life. So well, I feel like with the FS seven, like you said, like I, especially because I've been running it for five years, like I don't have to think about anything yeah. with it. And I feel like I can just take it and and use it as, like, an extension of me. Like, it's not, I don't have to, like, oh, where's this button, where's that button, where's this, that, and the other. I mean, I think that goes twofold. It goes for, like, the form factor of that camera and knowing your camera. Mm -hmm. Like, between those two things, I mean, the FS7 is just an excellent camera for me, and I think you feel the same way about it. Yeah, I've ran it. I can run it with my eyes closed now. I've ran it for so long. And, I mean, you probably feel the same way about the FS5, which is, I mean, there's so little difference in the, you know, the size is about the only difference. But Menu um, system. Yeah, menu system. But the FX6, like, we're to the place where I, I know we're going to get one of them, but then that leaves, like, Clay will have the FS5, 
And then we really need two of them. But we're kind of in the place to where, like, do we sell the red or do we sell two FS7s? It hurts my heart. I know. That we have to think about selling the red. But, but with the amount of, and we've talked about this, with the amount of projects that the red is actually useful and necessary for, mm-hmm. we could rent a red and have the FX6s as the new workhorses. Yeah. And we're going to get more mileage out of those FX6s. They're more practical. Than, than the red. And if if the FX6s color science and abilities are as good as they say they are, I mean, it's not far from a red quality. Well, the thing- It's not red quality, but at the end of the day... Unless we're going to send the footage to a colorist, like, no, you wouldn't be able to say that's red and this is FX6. Well, tell, yeah. me, tell me if I'm wrong. We haven't had, at least since I started here, we haven't had someone come up to us and say, you have to shoot this on the red. No. Yeah. We just, we've shot certain projects on the red because we had it, not because they made us. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Yeah, it, it's the red is something. It's it's a the red's a luxury, um, and it's a luxury to have it. I mean, but problem is, like right now, it's sitting on the shelf. If it's not making you money, then you know what's the what's the advantage of having it type thing. So, you know, I I don't know. I'm kind of torn. Do I like the fact that we have one? It's if we do get a call for a big project, we have it. Yes, everything about it is a pain in the butt. It's loud. Choose batteries. Files are enormous. But it looks real good. But is it worth keeping it for the, the trade-off value of selling it, getting that money, putting it towards two FS6s? I mean, it also could be a thing where we get an FX6, see what it looks like compared to a red side-by-side, and if it's close enough, then you make the decision to get rid of it. Well, it's like we're... The thing know. that makes the FX6 better than the FS7, it's going to give it the more red look as it's full frame, not super 35. Well, I can almost justify because if Clint if Clint buys an FX6 like he's talking about, I can sell all three of our FS7s and buy two of them and be and keep the red. I didn't even know he was talking about that. He's when, talking about it. When did he tell you that? He's not- um, I don't know. Other day, I told him that's what he needed to buy. If he was going to buy one, mm-hmm. yeah, because he does, he he runs mirrorless too mm-hmm. all the time. But he runs his Nikon Z seven. But Z6. as a you know, as a contractor, and this is the same thing I told Aaron. If you want to make more money as a freelancer, you need a full frame camera, full frame bottom, yeah, sen- full frame well, sensor. Well, you know, there's our there's cinema, our full frame cinema camera. They're not cinema. You need yeah. a cinema camera. Yeah, and um, and they both agreed. You know, so and you can get the same footage on both of them, but as bad as it is to say you look better with it. Yeah, and I told them it's a perception thing. I mean, this whole our whole world is about perception. Yeah. And perception is something that it sucks. I mean, even when we have to create perception, that's a that's a reason why we bought the red. If we want to go into a new client and look more professional than we are because let's be honest, look at us three. Are we really that professional now? No, we're not. <laughs> But when you, which I resent you saying that. But when we, I'm show, very professional. But when we show up with a red, <laughs> that just ups your 
ups your clout a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's a dick measuring contest. Let's be honest. That's I do enjoy matching my beard to the camera. Yeah. And she's named Reba. I mean, like, it's a really cool camera. But it was also, after it was all said and done, like $15,000, and it's sitting there on the shelf. Right. $15,000 can go a long way to building a studio, buying more cameras, a lot of things, which I yeah. can't get 15000 out of it now. Don't tell my wife that. But, like, even if we got twelve for it, you know, $12,000 is a lot of money. How much is an FX6 body? Seven or eight? Six for just the body. Six? Yeah. Just the body, yep. Those FS7s, when they came out, were eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, camera prices have really been shrink. Well, <laughs> well Red's even got the Komodo. That's a $6,000 body. Mm-hmm. For a Red? Yeah. That's pretty good. And prices are coming down. I like that. Which, problem with us now is we're adding people, so we have to have more cameras. And, uh, camera, I mean, and, I mean, Clay's computer's on its last leg, which it was on its last leg when you had it. Mm-hmm. So, that's, I mean, that's something else I got to look at buying is another computer. Um, So, I don't know. We you just get... The Mac Pro cheese grater. Well, no, I'll get that one. Clay can have. We the just other need one. him to go hang out with someone that has a nice computer, and in a week we'll have yeah. a new one. <laughs> yeah, if somebody could, if somebody could go ahead and get that FX6 dude, in their I was hands. Watching, I was watching a video on that cheese grater. A dude bought one twenty two thousand dollars before yeah. a screen. By I'm the way, like, before a screen, <laughs> <laughs> like Ron Swanson trying to eat a banana. God, dude, I just can't imagine spending that on a computer. Um, got another question. Uh, Clay, you shot a wedding for the first time in a while. How wow. was how was going? I was in full whitetail <laughs> shoot was, stuff. How was it going from filming killing stuff this to is, filming a man killing himself? This is this, <laughs> well. That's funny because you want him. You want him. Yeah, kill that, him. That is that is. You funny may kiss the bride. Because a week before the wedding, he broke his leg and tore all the ligaments in his ankle. So oh, he was on a knee scooter God. and a peg leg the whole he time. He got freaking but sniped right before the wedding. This is my mindset. So like. I try, obviously try to look nice, but I'm there all day, so I know I'm going to sweat. And your boy rolled up with a button-down on a hanger and an Under Armour Hunt olive drab green shirt on. You did? Yeah. Nice. Without realizing it. But, yeah, I was very much in um, hunting Did mode. you break out the skates? No. <laughs> I did have the FS5 on the gimbal, though. Speaking of, you guys have got a treat coming <laughs> into this week. So we are going to release our reel. For those of you listening, you get to be the first ones to hear this. We are releasing our 2020 Copeland Creative Reel on Friday. What time on Friday do you think we should release it? I, I don't like to tie myself to times. Okay. <laughs> All right. I guess that answers that. So Friday of this week. Because that just, that just is an opportunity to be late. The 19th. Is that Friday? 8. 19th, yes. Yes. Friday the 19th. We're going to no. read Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Yes. So, Friday is the 19th? No, it's the uh, It's the 18th. Hold on. It's, 18th. Right? it's, it's the 18th. 18th. Okay. 18th. Friday the 18th, this Friday, we're going to release our Copeland Creative Reel. Um, it is 97% done right now. We've got three shots that we have to get for it. We're going to shoot those tomorrow, put the final touches on the reel tomorrow or and or Wednesday, and then... It just needs color, right? Yeah, it just needs... Well, it depends on if I'm doing the color or if Friar's doing the color. If I'm doing the color, it needs a day. If Friar's doing the color, it needs till Friday. So you're doing the color. Yeah, probably. You so, guys haven't even hardly let me touch that thing. Well, for, for good reason. 
the one thing that I left that I thought was okay, you changed. I would. I had you come in and look at stuff. I had to take the mouse off the desk so you wouldn't change anything. <laughs> Just tell me what you don't like, and I can fix it. But I don't need you to demolish okay, here's, it. Okay, here, 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 you can do the reel by yourself next year. I didn't say that. Oh, I didn't what? say any okay. of that. That's not what I said, I, dude. I would love for somebody to do it other than me. It stresses me out. Like last year's reel stressed me out. This reel didn't stress me out as bad because I thought we had a pretty good idea going into it. But like last year stressed me out because I was like, and, and then I watch it now. Like I watched it the other day, last year's reel. There's so many shots I forgot about. So many good ones I forgot. And this one I know is going to hit me and be like, oh, why didn't we use that shot? Oh, why didn't we use that time lapse? Mm -hmm. Oh, why didn't we use? But dude, and like that was like one of our clients this year told us like as we're going through shows, like pull cool clips for like stuff for social media. It's like, yeah, great. We don't ever think about that when we're editing. That's so hard to do. You, you, it's just a completely different mindset from highlight reels to storytelling to show editing. Like those are three different realms of thinking. If we went on all of our trips and all we did was film for the reel, yeah, we would have five percent of the stuff we actually. Yeah. Oh have. man, if if we could just go and do what like Drew and them did for Blue Stem, just look for pretty. Oh my gosh. That would be so much you'd fun. Work 30, you'd work 30% of what you normally yeah, do. Yeah, it would be so much fun. But versus what we and Rar did, which is shoot dialogue the whole time. I mean, we rolled hours and hours of talking, you know. But that's what made it good. You you marry those two things together, and it's beautiful. That's why it's to create something that special. One person can't do it unless you have a year to do it. Well, especially you know? when you got three people. I don't know what you've shot. He doesn't know what yeah. I've shot. You yeah. don't know what he's shot, so... So, in terms of the, we're going to release the reel on Friday. Um, we got three very special shots that we're going to shoot tomorrow. They're going to make the reel, um, and then it'll be complete. So, look for that on Friday. Uh, let us know what you think, good, bad, or ugly. Um, it's kind of a unless you think it's ugly, in which case, don't say keep anything. that to yourself. It is. It keep is your mouth shut. It is. It <laughs> is not. Worry about yourself, player. <laughs> it is not. And I've already answered this question to a couple of people. I've sent it the preliminary versions to. It is not a pilot for a show that we're going to be doing about ourselves. Um, I don't know how that got started, even though that was an idea that we had that I had like five years ago. Um, that is not what it is. So uh, it's just a reel, just to spin our our own spin on what a reel is, because pretty song or pretty songs to pretty or pretty shots to pretty music is just kind of boring. So we tried to put our own little touch and idea and feel on it. So uh, if you like it, great. If not. If you like it, fine. If you don't, fine. Kick rocks. Um, Man, I'm like just kick, like segueing right into these next points. Just a, just a segue. So um, another piece of gear that we've recently got, or Ryers recently got, that I want him to talk about is his F-Stop gear bag. Oh, I was like, what piece of gear did I get? You're, <laughs> so you talked about the, the R5, and I think, I'm pretty sure I'm getting one for Christmas. An R5? No. Oh. One of the bags like you got. It was on my Amazon list, and it's no longer on my Amazon list, so I'm assuming that's what I got. Somebody got me for Christmas. Um, thoughts on that? What are your good, bad, and ugly? So you just took it on another trip, and you've taken it. You've had it since fall, haven't you? Or yeah. September? So I have... The F-Stop Tilopa, or Tilapa, I don't know how you say it. Tilopa, I'm assuming. Uh, I 
I have it. Go get it. I'm gonna go get it. Yeah. Well, me and Clay will keep the live feed here until you're back. You oh, Ryder has a red velvet cupcake that he's been saving just oh to my eat God. on this podcast. He's already had one today, and he was gonna eat the other one. Then he said, "It should probably I should probably wait and eat this on the live stream." And oh. this is where the ADHD kicks. Yeah. In. So, um, is there we got any more questions in here? Damon Chase said he's late to the show. No, you're good, man. The calling TV guys, I agree. Y'all are pros, man. I'm not sure what that's referring to, but thank you. Um, ND filters. Yeah, I already said that, but yes, ND filters are a huge, huge ver- reason why. What? Oh. Can you even see? Yeah, you can see that. Barely. No, that's the old camera. You can't even see the R5. Yeah, the. That's. Oh, that's. Yeah, that's a little sexy. That's the R5. A little, little precious. She's okay. Got, she's got the little 50, the little nifty 50 on there right now. So I have. This is the. I got it so I can kind of run through it for the people watching. That thing is disgusting. Yeah, but it's supposed to be disgusting. That's how you know it's good. So this is. The F-Stop Talopa. I got it. It comes in black. Um, I got it in this color so that it was not just a straight black bag. It kind of blends in a little bit. I mean, it's not going to blend in a touch, but or it's not going to blend in a ton, but that's okay. It's like a, what would you say that is? Like an olive? It's like an olive, olive drab. drab. Olive more, drab. Know, more like a sa- kind of sand bag. color. Sand. Yeah. Forest green. Kind of a beigey. Like yeah. um, green enough. It's got some red accents from elk blood on there. And that's when you know so, it's good. Um, so I've ran a couple of different bags for a few years. I hey, ran. Can I format this card? What's on there? I don't know. That's why I was going to take some pictures while you were talking, but your card's full because you didn't format your flipping card. I don't like to format the cards until uh, I get everything backed up in two places. Um, keep talking. It's, so, it's Dudley stuff. Yeah, it, I should have it, but. It looks like pictures. Is it all just pictures? Yeah. No. Shouldn't well, be. Should be MP4s on I'm there. I'm looking. Hold on. So for a while I ran a uh when Badlands had their camera backpack, I had that for a little bit. And then I broke that one and got a different Badlands pack that I ran for a couple of years and I broke that one in the same place that I broke the other one, which is in the hip belt. And then last year, I ran a combination of a Badlands pack. I got it repaired. And what Sitka bag? It's the uh, – it's in there too. Um, Mountain something? No, it's the smaller one than that. It's one of the small ones. It's like a day pack. I don't remember which number it is. So – I kind of got to thinking, and I wanted to get a pack that was a nice hybrid between a photography backpack and a hiking backpack and a hunting backpack. And I was kind of researching around, and I found F-Stop. You guys have probably heard of F-Stop. That's pretty much their specialty, is making bags that are designed to take cameras adventure, into adventure filmmaking type yeah, stuff. Adventure yeah. filmmaking into the backcountry. And so this is the F stop Talopa. They have a they have a couple smaller versions of this. 
they're named differently, but a couple smaller ones and like one or two maybe bigger ones. Um, and as I was reading reviews online, this backpack is carry-onable, according to the reviews. What was now, that word again? Carry-onable. You can carry it onto an airplane. I made that word up. But, <laughs> yeah, we can tell. Um, but you knew what I meant. Yes. Yes. So this will fit in the overhead compartment of most airplanes, which is what I wanted. I wanted one backpack. And you have proven this. <clears throat> yes. I'm getting there. That's all part of the story. Oh, sorry, God. And I, because I used to take like a laptop backpack, and then I would pack my other pack into a Pelican case. Um, and I wanted to not do that. I wanted to be able to take this onto the airplane with my laptop, with my DSLR in there, and then be able to take all that stuff out, put all my hunting gear in there, and call it a day. And this was the perfect solution. Uh, I guess I could show you all the stuff. But the most important part of this backpack is this back opens. It's got a rear, I don't know, when it opens from the rear, I guess. Rear access. Rear access. That's what she said. Mm-hmm. Very mature. And then this is what they call the ICU or the internal camera unit. Unit. That makes sense. Um, and they have different sizes, but I went with this one and basically it's just this, I can take it out cause it's meant to be taken out. You can actually take it out. It sits at the bottom this of your a, pack. This is a reason you should watch the, uh, YouTube live stream. Yep. And maybe I can't take it out. Yeah, I can. There it is. Anyways, Clay, I'm not going to take it all the way Clay, out. You've but. got a question on the thing too, if you want to answer it. Um, so you can take this whole compartment out and... It has all of these little dividers, and you can set it up to hold whatever lenses, whatever camera bodies that you want. Um, and usually how I have it set up is I've got my 6D here, 70 to 200. Um, I leave one lens on the 60. The other one goes right above it right there. And then this is kind of a catch-all for a little bag that I have batteries and miscellaneous things for. Um and the really nice thing about having this and having it accessible from the rear is that I could put all of the gear I need for hunting kind of up above it, accessed through the top like you would in the other bag, in through here. And then when I want to get to my DSLR, all I have to do is open the back flap, reach in here, grab it, shoot, put it away, and you're good to go. Uh, the other thing that's nice about this, and I've had to use this one time, is this whole compartment is removable. And so there was one time when I got on a flight and this was packed too full to shove into the overhead bin. Um, I just took this whole ICU out, put that underneath my seat, and then all the rest of the stuff in the bag was overhead. thin enough that I could put it in the overhead compartment or... If they wanted to put it down below the plane, it was just like clothes and stuff like that. Um, and so far, I've been really impressed with the pack. I mean, I've used it for uh, elk season, and I've used it for uh, all the deer stuff, tree stand stuff, and I've lashed uh, tripods to it. I lashed an elk quarter to it because I just wanted to see if it could handle it. Uh, it wasn't the most comfortable 
thing that I've Did ever you get done. A picture of that? Mm-hmm. We need to send that to F-stop. They probably won't like it, but we still no, they're not gonna like it. Um, like I wouldn't probably want to necessarily pack out an elk quarter for a long ways with the pack, but you could do it. Um, I regularly put the whole tree arm setup on here with an entire DSLR, all of my stuff to support the big camera, all of the regular stuff you would have hunting, uh, extra cards, extra batteries. How does it wear once you have that much weight in it, though? Wears pretty good? It wears pretty good. Yeah. Um, Like this, I mean, this is a solid waist belt, uh, and it cinches down, and because you've got the cameras down here at the base and – most everything lashed out here. I mean, it it rides pretty good. I mean, yeah. it's just like any other super so heavy pack. To, if you had to give it a grade. If I had to give it a grade, I would give it, well, what are we? 100 being perfect, one being real bad. And is this for your using it for what we do or just a backpack? For what you do, if you had to put a grade on it. If I had to put a grade on it for what we do, I would give it a solid 9 out of 10. Really? What would you change about it? The only things that I would change is a little bit more comfort for packing really heavy loads, like an elk quarter. Mm-hmm. I mean, but something like to, that. You'll have to give something up if you do that, though. It right. probably have to be a heavier bag. Or you'd have to like. have a heavier bag, or you'd have to have a, like a frame actual pack frame on there. Um, it can be a little loud. Yeah. Like these, you can't really hear them, but that zipper... When you're in the, in, in the woods in the morning, like that zipper makes yeah, a decent amount of noise. Off, yeah. And this is the same zipper here. And it kind of. Yeah, and there's very, there's really no way around that. No. Um, the other thing that's kind of weird is the actual frame, the metal frame on the inside of here kind of overlaps with this ICU enough to kind of make it annoying to actually zip and unzip it while it's inside of the pack. But when I'm hunting, I don't ever zip up this ICU. I just leave it uh, like flap, this. You know, flap it over it, yeah. I only zip it up when I'm flying Yeah. so that if I had to take it out, I could. Um, but as far as, like, having a lot of different compartments, having the ability to... Like it's, it's got really a, sturdy. It's really sturdy. This material is like almost bomb proof. Like I haven't ripped it or done anything to it yet. Um, and I've been dragging up trees, laying it down on rocks. Yeah. Just going through everything you would usually go yeah, through with I've a been, backpack. I've been carrying, like I carried that Sika Mountain 4200 or 4000 or whatever it is. It's a big, heavy pack. It's got a frame that can carry 150 pounds. It's great for carrying a lot of stuff in terms of organization. It sucks because it's one huge compartment and then two right. short compartments and then a big compartment on top. It doesn't have a rear access. Mm-hmm. And in order to put a camera in there, you have to wrap it up in clothes or something. Otherwise, it's going to get torn up by something heavy and laying on it wrong. It's just not set up to carry camera gear. Um, and that... That was really tough in New Mexico because I really, really wanted to get that camera off my back. And in order to do that, I had to break it down. And I had to have one pack had the part of the camera, another pack had another part of the camera, and I had the tripod on me. So it was it just wasn't ideal. 
for that and then the DSLR just it it's just not made to carry camera gear. It was not. Yeah. But I kind of want to try that pack just because I had that uh Cinebag. Mm-hmm. Uh and it was a great pack, but the ergonomics on it sucked. It, it was, was it was it a did. box and it didn't wear very well. Mm-mm. It carried stuff and had good compartments, but it just wasn't an adventure pack. Like it was not no. comfortable to carry. It didn't ride on your back well. The, the waist straps sucked. The shoulder straps sucked. Everything about it sucked. But if you were just carrying it out of your car into the office, then it's fine. But if you're carrying up a mountain or into a tree stand, no, not happening. Just wasn't set up for that. But I kind of want to try that one. That one, I mean, it's a pricey pack. But yeah, I think I spent in total five hundred. Yeah. For pack and two ICUs, I got the medium, which is the one I got in there. They have a small. I'll probably never use the small. Um, and I think I they put have the large on mine. The large. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what it came with because that's the pack I picked. And I picked the black one. So if we did get our pack, oh, okay. we get our packs mixed up. Yeah. So uh, I think they. I don't know. They make a ICU that's designed for cinema cameras. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it fits in this pack because that's obviously you know what a I'm thinking, big one. Though? I bet the FX6 will fit in that broken down. Mm-hmm. Take the yeah. handle and the monitor off. And, yeah. I mean, we could probably, I think it's almost the exact same size as your FS5. We could almost uh, try it. It is a little bit wider. It's the same length. Yeah. But it's just a little wider. Yeah. Well, it'll easily fit in there. Yeah. I mean, right now, like I, people ask, every time somebody picks up my pack at like a, not an elk camp, because elk hunting, everybody's got heavy packs usually. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like whitetail hunting, People go to the tree stand with a fanny pack, right? Yeah. And I don't ever get to do that. <laughs> uh, so people will pick up my pack when I've got literally everything in here for an entire day of hunting. And it's like, I mean, you're looking at a 40-pound pack. Yeah. Easily. Easy. And like, what in the heck do you have in there? Well, I've got everything. my DSLR body with a lens, with the two other lenses. I've got... And that's 20 pounds right there. Yeah, I've got water. I've got all the extra food. I'm pretty snacky, so I take a decent amount of snacks because I ain't about to get hungry sitting in a tree all day. That's no, I'm not gonna do it. Um, and the whole arm set up on the outside, and so I mean that's a ends up being a forty pound forty pound pack at the yeah. end of forty fifty pound pack at yeah. the end of the day. But I mean, just I think a lot of it is the little things with this pack, like these. I had to pay an extra, I don't know, too much for. Basically straps. They're just a couple of little buckles. But, like, if you're listening, you can't see this. But on one of the cross straps on the... Is this the front or the back of the bag? Front. The front of the bag? That, the front. Um, where it's connected to the nylon of the pack, they... Fight it. Yeah. Well, it's not supposed to come out. See how they just put that little hole right there in... The strap, yeah, so that you could put this, yeah, through there, and you get a whole other strap, and that's how I strap on my um, base and my arm. Um, like you've got these little D rings yeah. here that I take a carabiner and put my haul rope on these, so that I can just as soon you as I really, get to the base of the you tree, really just really need a better. All right, well, you know what? Up rope like mine. Maybe I'm just a traditional Spend kind of guy. Forty bucks. I just, a, I just use paracord. 
See, it gets tangled up. And not if you wrap it right. Mm. That's true. I Kip, you clearly haven't been sh- shown how to wrap up paracord. Yeah. I, le- I learned from Kip, too. Yep. I have Figure eight yeah. over the finger and thumb, mm-hmm. never tangle it again. Yeah. And I showed that to Greg, and he was like, hmm. So I taught Greg something about how to wrap up ropes. Or you can just get a really good pull-up rope like mine and not have to mess with any of that. You Never could. have to roll anything up ever again. You could. I've had that pull-up rope for like nine years. So Oh, this? Yeah. Uh, there's a little leather strap on both sides. What it's advertised to be for is skis. Skis. Yeah, so like you can lash or skis to blades. the si- Never. What's that long <laughs> what's that long zipper on the side? Yeah, so that's just more storage. Oh. So I mean you've got your main compartment. Inside your main compartment, you've got this mesh right on the inside yeah. that I obviously have some things in. Um you've got a little miniature pocket on the flap, the rear flap that I just put cards in. Uh, then you've got this top pocket. And in the top pocket, you have two additional mesh pockets. So you got all the room in the middle. Mesh with a zipper for secure things. Mesh with a Velcro for just other random things. You've got this front pocket. You've got a little pocket right here for, I think right now I just got like a trash bag in there for emergencies. Yeah, that's but a good that's for a rain cover, or yeah. like I've got extra straps for lashing things. Yeah, um, is it waterproof? It's water resistant. Yeah, like it's not waterproof. If you threw it in a river, yeah, it well, would, water would yeah. get in there. Yeah, you've got a water port H two O thing there. Uh, yeah, and then this is just a extra whatever room, and then you've got like it says it's for skis, but I use it for. Like a tripod, you could put a tripod. Yeah, a couple legs down through there, or uh, that no, that's where I put. This is where I put my arm. Arm, yeah. So the base, I kind of have to. There's no good way to attach a base to a no, there's not. to a backpack, but I kind of run this one through, tighten it, run this bottom one down, and just kind of lash it really nice and snug on here, and then that muddy arm fits perfectly right in there. Yeah. And then just take these two straps and do See, it. See, on the, the pack that I got, it separates from the frame. I put my arm in the base between the frame and the pack, almost like it's meat. Yeah. Man, that's pretty slick. You like that? Which one? Which one? It's the it? Mystery Ranch Pop-Up 28. Pop-Up 28? I should have got the 38, but I got the 28 instead. Mm. So I'll probably end up getting the 38. I was about to say, you always need one size bigger than you think you need. Now, when I was first getting this, I talked to... Uh, Mike Hearn mm-hmm. a little bit, and he, I don't know if it was a Kafaru or a Mystery Ranch. Kafaru. And he was like, well, you could just get one of those. Shape charge. Yeah, and then put the ICU in it, which you could. So if you're looking I had the shape charge It's not that truck. big, is it? No, it's not very big at all. Yeah. I had the shape charge, and that's why I didn't like it, because it wasn't very big. Yeah, just... Another option, I guess, if you wanted to, you can all you can buy the ICU separate. So, mm-hmm. if you have a pack and you're like, "Hey, maybe I just want the ICU," you can just get the ICU and put it in there. Um, you're not gonna have the rear access. Yeah. After that's running the, this, that's the biggest feature that I like is that. Yeah. After running this for a season, I'm super super happy with it. Um, I was a little worried about spending five hundred dollars. So would you spend it, it again though? I would 100 percent spend the five hundred dollars again. Yeah. No doubt. See, I mean, I've, I've like, put this through an entire season. 
you can't if you're listening you can't see this but i mean it's freaking dirty what's the, it's what's bloody. the warranty on it do you know they have they supposedly have a really good warranty like if something breaks you just they'll fix it hmm. i have a buckle on here that i do need to fix see one of the little prongs came off oh, I, I think you. it just got slammed in a car door but hmm. like happened this is almost like the next best thing to a pelican case yeah, I mean, I wouldn't throw this around like a Pelican case, but I don't feel nervous having my stuff in here and and having it on me yeah. or putting it in the backseat of a truck or like putting it in the bed of a truck or something like that. I mean, as long as it's not getting thrown around in like a really extreme way, I yeah. feel like... My gear is really protected, and I'm not worried about so, things highly getting rec- hurt. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. Um, and they've got a lot of options. So, I mean, if you wanted something smaller, you can get something smaller. If you're not worried about trying to carry it on, they have bigger sizes. Um, like, if we ever, for some reason, had some shoot where we needed to haul a red up a mountain, and it just needed to be in the pack, and we needed to camp also at the same time. Like, they have giant packs that you could put yeah. a full cinema camera in, plus, down, yeah. plus your tripods and all whatever support gear you and the camera need and it's gonna go suck. up a mountain. It's going to suck going It's going to be a heavy son of a gun. Nose goes yeah. on that. But yeah. It'll, watched it'll that, carry speaking it. Speaking of nose goes, I watched that uh, Lost on Everest documentary. On it's on Disney Plus, but Nat Geo did it. It was Renan Osterk did it. It's on Disney Plus. Yeah. I saw it on YouTube. Uh, Curtis Blosser sent it to me, and I was oh man, I freaking watched. It. I was like, see, Holy I'm one crap. of those. I'm one of those guys that I'm fascinated with Everest. Have no desire to climb the top of Everest, not the least little bit. But I'm fascinated with people that do it, and like that walk by dead bodies. There's over a hundred dead bodies on Everest. It's like why, man. And like, I would want to go to Everest just to stand at the base of the mountain, but <laughs> no, I don't care about going to the top. There's like, people there. You're gonna, you would tell it. me you would stand at the base of the mountain, and you would look up there, and you would see everybody going up there, and a little piece of you wouldn't be like, not, you not know what? Not even my thumb. Two thumbs up, yeah. guys. Y'all are doing a great job. There's a lot of people, like a lot of scientists. I'll be the guy that flies the you drone freaking, down here. You freaking guys. There's yeah. a lot of scientists that say You know what? It's a good thing that there's forever oh, yeah. because it's so cold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they found the George George Mallory guy in that documentary who was the first guy they thought summoned it. He died in 1920. They found his body mummified. Yeah, it's freaking crazy. Wait, that wasn't the guy they were looking for, though. No, they were looking for another yeah. guy. I was about to say, they didn't they find didn't the find guy the they were looking no, for. No, they didn't find the guy they were looking for. He was a 22-year-old, 23-year-old guy that was up there that was his like assistant, and they were really looking for his camera, and then they never found it. Freaking crazy stuff, man, but... Um, I would climb. Everest. I had two more things that we were going to talk about on the podcast, but we've already. But you been didn't going say what that was shot on. It was shot on uh, Sony stuff, Sony FX Alpha it, series, FX six. That was shot on FX six. No, I think I it was it all A seven. I think it was A sevens. It was uh, all mirrorless stuff. That yeah. was it. Which, yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about the the place that you would want to run, yeah, a oh, small camera like yeah. that, it's yeah. Everest, I where he, every single ounce. Dude, I bet he had. Freaking A7 batteries like Skittles in his bags. <laughs> I bet everybody had 20 batteries in They probably bags. had a Sherpa 
with oh, just, one bag just stacked with batteries. Had yeah. to have like been. only batteries. And but, they, I guarantee, but the as soon quality as they got of, done, they just hucked them. Like that one's done. <laughs> just threw it off the mountain. You get three minutes record time per battery. Yeah, but that was a beautiful film, oh, and yeah. all shot on a mirrorless. So yeah. mm-hmm. goes to show you can shoot. And people do shoot beautiful things on a mirrorless. Do I want to shoot most things on it? No. No. Do you know what was really easy to get on that shoot, though? Your white balance. Stuff. Oh, white balance, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the one thing about shooting in the snow. It's always pretty because it's, it's easy to get white every time. Um, I had two more things we were going to talk about, but we're already an hour in. so We might as well just talk about them. I'm, no. I'm we gonna were go, an hour and 20 last time. I'm going to go into... What are some... Hold on. I've been answering a lot. Oh, you have? Okay. Yeah. Well, let's answer some on the podcast for people listening. Where... where I, 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 dude, we've got so many comments now. I don't even know where we're at. Um, A guy asked me what gimbal I had for the FS5. I have the Ronin M for the FS5. It is massive. I do not have it here because we won't use it. It is at home. Um, uh, What is your ideal podcast setup? Red Forest, which is Jared... Um, we want to build a studio upstairs. We have a huge space in our attic area that we're not using. Um, we want to turn it into a podcast studio slash interview area that we can just have set up that we don't have to set this thing up every time we want to shoot, literally set up, plug in, turn on lights. We're ready to go. Um, and we can have a space where we can rent out for people that want to do live, live streams or podcasts. Just got to find a contractor that'll do it. Um, somebody said spend money on lint. Oh yeah. Damon, Damon Chase asked if you could spend money on a high end DSLR or the lenses, which would you choose? I told him lenses because I was going to use your example. The lenses you have are yeah, the last like, a long like time. the first generation L lenses yeah. and they now, last a lot longer. If than you're cameras. talking about buying a 10 year old DSLR and using new lenses versus buying a decent consumer DSLR buy a decent consumer DSLR, but right. lens in the long run. I mean, we're still using the same lenses. Like lenses don't change a whole lot over time. Yeah, they, and, mean, they and, come out with a new camera every yeah. eight to twelve months, and they come out with new. Yeah. Lens. Nikon has lenses they haven't updated for like eight years. Yeah, um, you can only update glass. What are so other much. questions? I don't. I, I, you were keeping up um, with it. I was not. No, they're just conversation about oh. uh, about lenses, and then Jared asked his question. Um, that was really about it. Uh, so, uh, winter winter production said he was having issues with his gimbal. Um, most yeah. of the time, they just get out of calibration. So if you can just go onto their website and um, basically, or you can da- like I have an Evo gimbal and they have an app, and it tells you exactly how to calibrate it step by step, and it works. Yeah, perfectly I need fine. To, we need to do that with that one because I couldn't get the, I couldn't. I tried it again the other day, and I'm gonna have to run the R5 on it because. That double battery grip, I guess it's just too heavy. It it's won't too do top it. And it heavy. just bounces yeah. the whole time. Well, I calibrated it when I was here in December. Yeah. But I had to take the battery grip off. Yeah, it's jacked again. Yeah. I messed it up. Um, and then uh, Damon said, looking for a wildlife lens out to about 100 yards. I told him the Sigma 150 to 600. Yeah. For 100 yards, yeah, that might, I mean, that'll be more than enough. He could probably do that 400 if he wanted to. The problem with wildlife is wildlife lenses are expensive. Generally, yeah, that 150 to 600 is not that bad, but it's not going to be super sharp. If you have a crop sensor, you could get like a 70 to 300 because yeah. that 300 times 1.5, what is yeah. that, 450? None, none of those are going to be really sharp, yeah. um, but if you want a really sharp photo lens for that far away, take out a loan, buddy. 
gonna be expensive. Um, I think that's all I got. Uh, we got the next podcast. Um, just to go ahead and because I've been asked this so many times, is I'm gonna do some research. I'm gonna get these guys to do some research. We'll get the starter kit. People want to know what a great starter kit for photo video is. What does that look like? So what DSLR, it, what does it cost? You know, and kind of give them an option for a handheld video camera and then an entry level DSLR. What lenses and kind of go over prices. Um, and then we'll kind of go over that in detail. And then probably next podcast will be a 2020 wrap up and 2021 outlook type thing. So. I was going to do both of those today, but I mean, we don't have time to get into all that. And I want to do some research about the starter kit stuff anyway. But um, I think that's all I got. Maybe we'll hang out and answer a couple more questions if y'all don't have anything. Y'all yeah. good? Good. All right, guys. Peace.